Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. Except when it's over. Yes, it's another entry from the recently declassified files of Max Mike Movies. As we continue with our latest series, Get Em, Jimmy! A discussion of the best and worst that the films of, the, of James Bond have to offer. This week, we're checking out one of the most iconic James Bond films, 1964's Goldfinger. Because we love Goldfinger! Isn't that weird? And we love Aston Martins and steel-brimmed hats, too. Ooh, steel-brimmed Aston Martins. Mm. (laughs) I'm one of your hosts, Pussy Levine. (laughs) And over there is Mike Laughing Boy Loose. And and this is our podcast. Do you expect us... I'm just picturing you in that little black flight suit. It's... uh... (laughs) I, I am wearing that right now, and I look adorable. Pussy flying circus. (laughs) Do you expect us to die? No, you expect us to talk. So we're going to talk. No, Mr. Bond, we expect you to fly. (laughs) But uh, first, a little talk about a little business. Pussy Uh, Levine. If we wanted to combine this with The Sopranos, I could be Big Pussy Levine. Or later on, you can be Octopussy Levine. (laughs) That's co- yeah, yeah, that I think is next week. Oh. Yeah, yeah, shh, don't tell them. They won't come oh, back. Sorry. <laughs> so so uh, our podcast is available through your favorite podcast app, assuming your favorite podcast app is the app, Apple iTunes podcast app or the Google podcast app. We're also now available on Spotify. Just search for Max Mike Movies. Pussy I think Levine. we may have lost Mike for the rest of the episode. Pussy Levine. <laughs> Oh dear, sorry, oh dear. sorry, sorry, sorry. It's not at all funny. We are deep into our analyzation of American and or British cinema. Please go ahead about the podcasts, pussy. Right. <laughs> now you, the only way to get any dignity is to do it the way Connery pronounces it, which is pussy. Pushing. You could tell he was really trying to change, trying not to Pushing. say it. <laughs> oh yes, podcast apps. Go on. Yes. Our podcast app. You can also, of course, find us at our website, maxmikemovies.com, which has our entire back catalog. Soon to be called pussylevine.com. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> now I'm going to have to register that site before someone else does. Oh, yeah. Someone's going to swoop in and steal our, our amazing amounts of fame and glory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm and, sorry. Uh, if you if you want to, you know, email Pussy Levine, you can write us at us at maxmikemovies.com. <laughs> Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will start with the plot. The show. Ah. This Bond movie moves away from the political arena. There's no specter, no international blackmail, just smuggling theft and murder. (laughs) Bond must prevent the evil and rather doughy Auric Goldfinger (laughs) from carrying out some evil schemes. Doughy galore. (laughs) Yeah. Bond's initial assignment is simply to establish that Goldfinger is smuggling gold internationally, but soon our Jimmy runs into Operation Grand Slam, because there's golf in the movie, and Goldfinger likes golf and Grand Slam. It's baseball. This, it turns out, involves the massive supply of gold in America's Fort Knox, 
Although, of course, there's not actually gold there anymore. That's where they store the flying saucers. Uh-huh. Uh, Bond must infiltrate Goldfinger's organization and deal with a silent but deadly bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> not like that. <laughs> Named Odd Job. You are not making this any easier. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my notes. Odd Job, who's mute except for ah, ah, and <laughs> ah. <laughs> According to the novel, he was mute because of a cleft palate, but they don't bring that up in the movie because they would have had to make his mouth look different. Ah. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Uh, odd job who flings a lethal article of clothing. You know which one. Yes, it's his a steel bra. rimmed necktie. Or possibly codpiece. Sports bra. As well as Goldfinger's personal pilot and judo expert, the unfortunately named Pussy Galore. Probably one of the most notorious female character names in a Bond movie until Octopussy. As played by Pussy Levine. (laughs) This movie also brings us some of the most iconic Bond images, including a beautiful woman covered in gold paint and the legendary legendary Aston Martin DB5 and Quips O'Plenty. (laughs) Who's she? I remember (laughs) Quips O'Plenty? Oh, she was in the first scene. Um... Oh, this episode is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah, this is another Sean Connery Bond with also mm. Goldfinger played by, of course, the legendary, everyone knows, household world bird, Gert Fröbe. Yeah. Yeah, no. no uh, you, If you're trying hard to think of who he is, the only other thing we know him from is Mike. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He plays yep. Baron Bomberst. <laughs> yep. You're That's... my little choochie face. <laughs> yeah otherwise he he is a fairly prolific actor but mostly what he did were german films yes and sadly in pretty much any film he's in that's got english language he's dubbed yeah including this yep because he doesn't speak english uh and of course the female character we just mentioned played by <laughs> honor blackman who is before that known best as kathy gale from the avengers uh, Pussy <laughs> oh dear! Yeah, this. this I, is want looking to, right. I want to go out on a, not even on a limb. I just want to be be quoted as saying this is Max's fault. I yeah. did not know this was coming, and he knows better. <laughs> anyway, please continue. Uh, the director is Guy Hamilton, who is a seasoned Bond veteran who mm. also directed Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, and The Man with the Golden Gun, as well as years later. Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Ah, Shinanju. Sure. Shinanju? Shinanju yourself. (laughs) Uh, The budget for this movie, first off, the money this movie made is remarkable. Mm. The budget was $3 million. The U.S. gross was $51 million. God. The worldwide was $130 million. So is that a success? This is, that's like 10 successes. (laughs) This movie is was at the time the fastest grossing movie in movie history. It actually made it into the Guinness Book of World Records. Cripes. Yeah. There is tons of trivia about this, but uh, I've, I've tried to whittle it down a little. Uh, Sir, Sir Sean Connery. Ha <laughs> ha, get it right. Get it right, Trebek. <laughs> he never traveled to the U.S., to film this movie despite the fact most of it is supposed to take place in the u.s every scene he's in is filmed in pinewood studios outside of london yeah 
You can see this if you are a real detail nerd. I didn't see, I didn't notice this, but uh, it, it was uh, on a website. This is why when uh, Bond discovers the golden corpse of Jill Masterson, he flips the light switch down to turn the light on. Oh, Those I noticed light that right away. Turn on by flicking him down instead of up. Oh, there was only one actor who was ever who's in the actual Miami sequence, who's actually in Miami, and that was Sec Linder as Felix Leitner. Leiter. Yeah, Leiter, excuse me. Yeah, Sec only shows up this once as Felix. That's okay. That he that will be a trend that will follow Bond through <laughs> up until Daniel Craig. Yeah, Jack Lord didn't want to do it anymore. I couldn't help it when, when the scene, when we see the, the logo of Miami Beach, all I can think of is Bugs Bunny going, Miami <laughs> Beach at last! <laughs> Should have taken that left twain at Albuquerque. Uh, when Dame Shirley Bassey recorded the theme song, she was singing as the opening credits were running on a screen in front of her so she could match the vocals to what was happening. When she hit the final high note, the titles kept running, and she had to hold the note until she almost passed out. Yeah. It's, it is of her three Bond song performances. This is the one. Yeah, this is it. This is... The probably the most iconic and probably the best, I think, of the Bond theme songs. The only one that comes close is "Live and Let Die." I, I would say if that if you're going to know a Bond theme song, this is the one you know. And "Live and Let Die" might be the second. Yeah, I, I would go with that. Yeah, I think those are the best. There are some mediocre ones, but anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, the yeah, the recreation of of the Fort Knox repository at Pinewood Studios is unbelievably accurate considering no one involved in the movie had ever been allowed inside. Yeah, they don't let anybody see. I think there was one Nobody. documentary. Yes, there was that one they, that presidents have asked to go in and they're told no. Right. Because they don't want them to see the flying saucers. So, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. The set looked so real that they had to put a 24-hour guard on it so people wouldn't come in and steal the fake gold bars. Yeah, because of course they'd use real gold in a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. As can be evidenced when James Bond just casually picks up a brick and throws it at Adios. <laughs> but we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, that will come over there. Uh, they actually, uh, the Fort Knox controller wrote a letter congratulating the team that built this set. That built that, and uh, the 3D model map that Goldfinger uses to display to the thugs for his plan mm-hmm. is now housed as a permanent exhibition at Fort Knox. But you can't go there. Yes, I, I guess it's just for the guys who work there. They like looking at it. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, this is the first appearance of a, well, excuse me, sort of appearance of a laser beam in a movie. Yeah. In the original script, the this, this scene was going to be a spinning buzzsaw, which it is in the novel, you know, because, of course... The perils of Pauline Bond. And then Snidely Whiplash comes out. And, <laughs> exactly. <you know>, okay. <laughs> Until it was decided it was so such a commonplace image they wanted to do something different. And yes, we know a real laser is invisible. Right. And Although if you continue to watch movies, they are never invisible. No. Actually, I take it back. There is one Bond film they actually do have the invisible beam. And that's the man mm. with the golden gun. When he shoots the plane, you don't see a beam. It just explodes, which is really pretty much what would happen. Huh. Okay. So, one, one point for that movie. One tiny little point. <laughs> when Pussy Galore introduces herself <laughs> to James Bond, he replies, you know, she, he, she, he replies, I must be dreaming. Oh, I thought he. Was, the, I thought he said, "Oh, named after your father." 
<laughs> no. Well, that's like, that was Twenty O'Toole. Mm. Yes. The original script had Bond saying, I know you are, but what's your name? Uh, uh, this was deemed a little too suggestive. Oh, but they kept the name because that's Oh, yeah. Not... Yeah, yeah, we'll get, we'll get to the name. Hello, my uh, name's Vagina McQuaid. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, okay. Yeah, we'll get uh, to the way this movie treats women very soon. <laughs> uh, Aston Martin was actually pretty reluctant to part with two of their cars for the production. I bet. The producers had to pay for the Aston Martin. But the movie was so successful and got Aston Martin so much good publicity, their sales went through the roof. The movie company never had to spend money on a car again, ever. Yeah. Yeah, the manufacturers were falling all over themselves to get them to use their cars in the Bond movies. I know that they used to be. I don't. I don't know when this changed, but it used to be that the coach building, or you know, the the part where you sit in, as opposed to the engine. Actually, I think the engine too were actually hand assembled which is one of the reasons wow. they're so expensive. Sadly, there, and I'll get to this a point in this film that I'll get to about the speed of the DB5, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, this is the first Bond film where Sean Connery wore a toupee. Yeah. His, his hair was getting just too thin to be covered up the, the way they'd done it the first two. He started going bald when he was 21. Yeah. He also allegedly hurt his back during the fight sequence with Oddjob, a.k.a. Harold Sakata, mm -hmm. at Fort Knox. This delayed filming, and some people say that Connery used the injury to get a better deal out of the producers for the next movie. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, as with the first two Bond movies, Ian Fleming visited the set during April in 64. He visited uh, the D stage where they were filming the UK set of the Fontainebleau Hotel pool, the pool scene. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he died a little less than a month before the movie's release in sixty in August. Mm. Yeah, uh, Honor Blackman quit her role as Kathy Gale on The Avengers to appear in this movie. Oh and a nineteen sixty five episode of The Avengers made a little reference to this by having John Steed get a Christmas card from Kathy Gale that was sent from Fort Knox, Kentucky. Ah, uh. yeah. Uh, the role of Oddjob was the first screen role for the Japanese American weightlifter and professional wrestler Harold Sakata. Uh, he actually won a silver medal in the Olympics uh, in light heavyweight uh, weightlifting. Christ. It was such a success that it started a second career in movies, TV, and commercials. And he actually referred to himself after that as, he, he would list himself as Harold Oddjob Sakata. Mm, good for him. Yeah. Well, of course, we both know him much better as a character from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> that, yep, that's right, Ramu. Ramu. <laughs> Ramu thinks so. Yeah, because... Okay. Ramu no have mother. <laughs> or speak English, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Steven Spielberg cites this as his favorite Bond movie of all time, and he even owns an Aston Martin DB5 because of this movie. Of course he does. Yeah. Is it I made of gold? It, it could be. It's Steven Spielberg. Mm. He could have the tires made of gold. Interestingly, so so this is a very, very side note. My One of my favorite toys growing up was oh. a little metal Corgi DB5, which had the ejector seat and the machine guns and the bulletproof uh, windscreen and the tire mm -hmm. shredders and the whole thing. Uh, they made a gold version of it, which always yes, confused a limited, me. limited one. That they, yeah, I have that in here. Oh, I'm sorry. There was the silver one was the and the limited edition gold one. Also, Corgi manufactured a special one for at that time aged 15 Prince Charles. Ah, yeah. 
And there was a 30th anniversary edition Aston Martin DB5 toy car back in 94. That one sorry I have. I missed. I have oh, you that got one. that one? I oh, do. cool. Corgis, okay. Corgis yeah. were the best car toys ever. There they was were. Matchbox sucks, Hot Wheels sucks. They're fine. They're fun. But... I had Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The wings mm-hmm. popped out. They had rubber tires. Yep, the, the Batmobile. Martin, the Batmobile. I still have. I don't have that. I don't know why I didn't get the repro, repro of that. I do have the repro of the Green Hornet from a show that I never saw as a child. But <laughs> if you flipped one lever, the trunk popped open and a little thing went spinning out of it. And if you click the other one, a missile shot out of the front of the car. I um, was never sure what that spinny thing was supposed to be. It was a spy satellite thing, as it uh, turns out. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you've ever seen an episode of the Green Hornet, you will know why it went off the air after one season. It's dull. <laughs> yeah, despite, I don't know how you have a show where Bruce Lee is on it and it's still boring. Yeah, especially the episode where he fights Robin to a standstill. Oh. Yeah, but anyway, Corgis. Yeah. Look them up. Uh, Corgi yep. toys. Uh, they did cars and vehicles from all sorts of places there's a the moon buggy from diamonds are forever will show up later and i was lucky the local um department store carried them they were expensive at the time they were like four to six bucks a piece back in the early 70s which was a lot especially if you only got 50 cents a week for allowance (laughs) and they were just awesome i ran through at least two built batmobiles and you know the the db5 blah 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 blah. anyway yeah so cool Hmm. uh after attending the premiere in Rome, Federico Fellini was asked by a journalist what he thought of the movie. Fellini, the yeah. Italian genius director, and his answer was, Questi sono i film che fanno andare avanti il cinema, which I ah. think sums it up. Yeah, I think so. I agree with him. What, what, yeah, what he you... means this is one of those films that makes cinema carry on. Uh, well, it certainly made a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. He, he apparently loved it. Uh, now, not surprisingly, the censors were att- and the uh, studio the studio heads were a little concerned about Pussy Galore's name, <laughs> and they actually wanted to change it to Kitty Galore. Okay, I mean, uh, director Guy Hamilton. This is a quote: "If you were a ten-year-old boy and knew what the name meant, you weren't a ten-year-old boy. You were a dirty little bitch." <laughs> the American censor was worried, but. They got around it by just inviting him and his wife out to dinner and telling them they were huge supporters of the Republican Party. <laughs> that took care of it. Okay. By the way, Honor Blackman had so much fun in embarrassing interviewers by repeatedly mentioning her character's <laughs> name. She would say it as much as she could, and it apparently just cracked her up every time. Working for me. <laughs> uh, she's also the oldest uh, ever actress to play Bond's love interest. She was 39 at the time of filming. Uh, the nearest competitor is Maud Adams, who was 38 when Octopussy was released. <laughs> Apparently it's the name. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, they said that uh, Inspector, uh, the record would be broken by Monica Bellucci, who is 51, who was 51 at the time. Uh, but Bellucci's role was really just a cameo. She doesn't really get romantically involved with Bond. Mm. I think they had sex, but they don't get romantically involved. Well, that's just true for the whole series. Yeah, yeah. They were, by the way, Saltzman and Albert Broccoli were so determined to get Honor Blackman for the part of Pussy Galore that they actually had the actress, the actress really is a, a judo specialist, and they worked in the judo into the script. Oh, you mean Honor Blackman is? Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. She's yeah. awesome. So. She is very cool. Uh, 
The movie was so popular that some theaters were holding showings 24 hours a day Christ. to meet demand. Uh, well, this did, also, well, if I can back up for a sec, this yeah. is historical context. People may be wondering, it's like, why the heck would they do that? Because back in the 60s, theaters had one screen, maybe yeah. two. So if you were showing Bond you know, in your theater, you might have three showings a day or four. Yeah. And that's like, now we just put it in, you know, four out of 16 screens and nobody exactly. cares. Uh, this is the first Bond film to win an Oscar. It was for best sound effects. It wasn't, wasn't for best character name. <laughs> it was not for best character name. I'm afraid not. Uh, also, during the Fort... Well, this just finish it off. During the Fort Knox fight scene, the clock on the bomb was originally intended to stop at the time 003. Mm, but, but they decided to stop it on Bond's number 007. But that's why right after that, Bond says three more ticks and Goldfinger would have gotten away with it. Mm. Oops. Yeah. So there, there's a ton of other stuff, but uh, that that's, that's most of it. And now, mm-hmm. the, the movie. movie. The Lowdown. So, Max. Yes. We start off with a mm-hmm. little frogman scene. The only objection of which I have is that his frog suit is never actually wet. <laughs> oh, that's your objection? My ob- How the heck is his tuxedo perfectly dry and without a single wrinkle, having been worn under a wetsuit? I am glad you mentioned that because it's my second note. As it turns out. As we talked about in one of our previous shows about the whole being painted gold and how that would actually not kill you but probably not do you any any good, right. the Mythbusters sick. did this too and actually managed to do it and the suit didn't have any wrinkles. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was surprised too because I was Thank like, Thank you, absolutely. Mythbusters. Yeah, because without you. Um, so yeah, uh, but also, so he gets out of the water. He's going to this, he's going, he's sneaking into the opening scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he has this belt absolutely full of c4 which as max has pointed out you don't need quite that much yeah c4 is incredibly powerful that much c4 would have taken out probably a city block yeah i I looked into it too because the barrels all are all marked nitromethane i'm like what the hell is that turns out it's a solvent it can Uh. be explosive but it's usually used to as a solvent and for making explosives i honestly don't know why they picked something that the audience would not know what it was but whatever Well, because on the back on a number of them it just says nitro well that's because you can't see it if when the camera is pulled back it says nitromethane but uh Uh, apparently this is i just thought nitroglycerin i guess it also may have something to do with the processing of heroin because when Uh. bond goes back to the when he takes off his wetsuit (laughs) and he's got his tuxedo on he goes to a bar and he's got a contact there and he quips something about how the guy's not going to be able to make his living with heroin-flavored bananas. <laughs> that was a nice touch. What? So maybe you use it in the processing of heroin. Uh, never having had heroin, I wouldn't know. But uh, <laughs> Well, yeah. it, yes, it is It is just, that's my liege is how we know the earth to be banana-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> but then we have this nifty little fight and he's got this 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 love interest, I guess. Um uh, love interest this woman he want who he want he wants to sleep with uh, and he, I, I do like how a guy's about to attack him and he has no compunction about using her as a shield well that's because he's uh using the old the old reflection in the eyeball trick yeah that's so. supposedly a real technique really good fighters or really really observant people can do that they can read the reflections in other people's eyes i'm gonna well this one was not a reflection it was a camera trick but uh, well yeah but Right now, right here, 
we get a bond quip oh yeah. and i wanted this is going to bring up one of my first major <sighs> points so yeah. the film one of the films we talked about earlier in this series which we also had on the good side was mm-hmm. from russian with love which if right. i'm not mistaken was the film directly before this one i believe so yes this film right here in the opening when he starts quipping suddenly the entire franchise's feeling is going to change yeah and in this field this film in particular we start doing things like oh the gadgets are now getting a little bit ridiculous things Mm -hmm. are getting a little out of hand oh we have to have the quips we have to have this stuff and i don't I don't know how they measured that from because from Russia with Love had barely any of that. As Max and I pointed out, the gadgets such as they were were basically oh, there's a knife in that suitcase and some coins. Like you know, it wasn't that yeah. big a deal. Yeah, it was very very low tech and very believable. But this is where this movie, which I'm going to go right out and say, I would say if there's one iconic Bond film, this is it. Yeah, this like has you, so many images. This also spawns so many of the things that people make fun of. Right. That when you're parodying Bond, you parody stuff that's out of this movie. Austin Powers, there's at least two characters. Goldfinger becomes Goldmember, and Oddjob becomes Random Task. Right. And apart from Frau Farbissenung, who I think is sort of supposed to be Rosa Klebb, sort of. those are the two direct character parodies right and the song everybody knows the song the db5 comes from yep. here yep. I, if, if there is one film you can point to that i you know more than anything and I, and I think the the take that you've told us about the gigantic piles of cash yeah. that it raked in that said this is what bond is all about it's this movie and it starts fairly early in the film mm-hmm. and we get yeah. shirley bassey and the, the the naked ladies but shirley bassey man she what a set of pipes that woman had. Yeah, she was. She does such a good job on this. Mm. Um, and we get the naked lady opening, so, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the first. Is that the first? No, they had some of that in... Uh, from Re- No, actually, no. that's right. From Russia with Love, you don't have a song in the opening credits. No, it doesn't come until the end credits. Yeah, this is the first one that actually had the whole opening credits and the naked women writhing and the pr- things being projected on them. Yeah. Mostly it's scenes from the movie. Yeah, but we'll also find that... Um, this is a film where we really just say there are no people in the world that aren't white. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. there are no except, colors except in this for film. Odd Job. Yeah, and even him, it's like he's you know. But uh, it's white, 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 white. It's a white, 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 white world, uh, starring white, 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 white people. Um, mm-hmm. The way that this franchise is going to treat women is pretty well established in this film. Um, but we do go so, to some exotic locations like. Miami, Miami. Kentucky. That, that really threw me when it's like, oh, we've been to like Istanbul and yeah. you know Budapest and yeah. Geneva and Zagreb. Miami. Yeah, <laughs> Miami, Which really? I guess was a playground for the rich and famous at the time. I guess now was well, we it was a big international thing. Yeah, there's uh, golf. <laughs> there's yes, but there we get golf. to where. Yeah, so we, we, we get to see Bond, and he meets up with the ultra, ultra, ultimately very threatening and ominous Gert Froba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Gert is just, he looks like he should be wearing a butcher's apron and telling yeah. you how, how good the Blutwurst is today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he's fine as a villain. I'm actually glad yeah. that he's not a little bit, he's not more, shall we say, Drax-ish. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but we also get to meet Bonds. I don't know if she's in MI5 or she's C. I don't know what she is, but we get a girl named Dink. 
<laughs> no, she, basically, she's just scenery in a bikini. And he slaps her. <sighs> on the butt, yes. Yeah. Yes, we have to go. That was that was the line that really, even when I was a kid and I saw this, I was like, oh, because he just goes, she's what are you doing? You go, man talk, whap. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh the fun. Jeez. Yeah, so uh, the misogyny but, starts early and it starts yeah. hard because of course what? we're going to get to a character with yeah we will we'll talk about her later because I now yeah. there's some interesting stuff that uh, happens a little before that where we're still in England and he's being briefed about what Goldfinger is doing they think that Goldfinger is involved in illegal gold smuggling because right. international trade of gold is very carefully regulated right um and this and they do say a couple of things that are not um factually accurate entirely <laughs> accurate like how english you know if the price of gold fluctuates too much the english currency is devalued the english went off the gold standard in 1931 because of the gold the great depression the u.s kind of went off it in 33 mm-hmm. and completely severed it in 71 so what did we do with it all it's still there oh Allegedly, <laughs> it's underneath the spaceships. Okay, it's under. Yeah, they use it as fuel for the space. Now there is still. <laughs> okay, we can we can get to this one thing. I I had to do so. I did some research because I got really interested about uh, when they were talking about the amount of gold involved and how much money this would actually be. Yeah. Now Goldfinger, they say they talk about he's in is supposed to be insanely rich. Right. He says his personal stock is one point five metric tons of gold. Oh dear God! That sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not. It's forty-eight thousand oh, right. two hundred twenty-five troy ounces. Oh, that's right, because gold's so dense. Well, not, yeah, it's and also today, and I mean today. I looked this up yesterday. The price of gold is fourteen hundred seventy-six dollars an ounce, so that's about seventy-one million hundred eighty thousand one hundred dollars in today's that's money. A, that's today's money. That's a fair amount of money. But it's not super rich. Well, you can get now, more in a lottery winning. <laughs> yeah. Now, in 1964, when this movie takes place, gold was running at $35.10 an ounce. Which means he would have been worth about $1.7 million. million. Or, <laughs> or, in today's money, $12.5 million. Ah. I mean, that ain't hay, but that's not that much. Well, now, to be fair... That's what they knew about, because we find out later yes. that his car, for example, is made out of gold. Which I, um, yeah, no, no, I actually want. I wondered about that, but if you, there's a couple things. First off, he only says the bodywork is gold, and also, and I looked this up too. He says it's 18 karat gold, which is not that much heavier than steel. Oh, okay. So the car would have been a little heavy. Yeah, because I, I thought, wait a minute, a gold car that would weigh tons. Apparently, no, not. apparently not. Uh, also, Fort Knox allegedly currently holds, uh, they, or we don't really know, 4,600 metric tons of gold, which is worth about $200 billion, and that is about 2.5% of all refined gold in the world. Huh. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. They, they, make, they make the gold kind of magical in this, but really... He doesn't have that much. Well, I, it's probably just somebody's math mistake. There was a decimal point, Maybe. or probably you know, that was before they went to the new money. And it still people... amazes me. I mean, this was like fifty years ago. Gold w- was thirty dollars an ounce, right? And now it's almost fifty. I mean, it peaked in two thousand eleven at nineteen hundred dollars an ounce. Hmm. 
Uh, don't own any myself, so it doesn't matter yeah. to me. Right. So, meanwhile, back in Miami, um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Bond Bond figures out what's going on with with uh, Blofeld with, <laughs> with uh, Goldfinger, and yeah. he puts on this darling little onesie. <laughs> <laughs> it's this little Terry thing, and little it's play like play suit. It's adorable. Why didn't like I, I'm sure Sean Connery didn't enjoy this thing. It's like why didn't he say, uh, "Could I look? Could I look a little gay up, please?" <laughs> Because it is just okay, and it's a yeah. tiny little point, but it's it's yes. that's what I wrote, darling little onesie. So that's his introduction to Goldfinger's. Goldfinger yeah. is cheating at gin rummy, yeah, because he's got a hot chick in a bikini, Jill Masterson, uh, up, you know, basically using binoculars to yeah. read the other guy's cards and talk to Goldfinger through his alleged hearing aid. Bond messes that up immediately. Uh, uh, Jill decides she wants to have sex with him. Well, you know. Now, to be that, fair, I think this actually sets up Goldfinger's character pretty well. What do we find out? We know he's rich because they've told us that, but it's like, yeah. oh, he's a cheat. And, and he loves and he's, to win. And he loves to win. He's greedy and he's a cheat. And he yeah. doesn't, there's there's basically probably no morals with this guy. And that will come into play later because, you know. So it's like, eh, you know, it's an, it's a cute little scene, but it actually does a pretty good job. And we don't have to dwell on him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, you were saying that he and Jill yeah. have... S-E-X. Yes. Afterwards, of course, he gets knocked out by Odd Job, although he doesn't know it. And Jill is murdered in a method at which we have said would not work, where she's painted entirely in gold paint. Which, really, if you look at how neat the job is and how there is absolutely no paint on the sheets, <laughs> they put some real effort into that murder. I mean, kudos to them. Yeah, well, you know, Odd Job, he's... Uh, he's, a, he's thorough. He just doesn't do random tasks. He's <laughs> very, very directed. Also, yeah. that's a very iconic shot. That yeah. shot was in the movie posters. It was in the lobby cards. He's on the they, cover of, I think, Newsweek. Yeah, so, like, that shot of the of the actress laying face down with the gold paint just was yeah, yeah. kind Again, of a shame I... that was also by the way her last movie oh yeah she was a model oh. mm-hmm. that's fine I mean she had almost no line yeah. so it's fine um, so then we get back to England and this is the first time we actually see Q Branch yep usually it was before this it's just been Q in M's office saying now pay attention W7 <laughs> which he doesn't no and now we see you know Q and all this and as you say this is where the gadgets start to get a tad ridiculous. Yeah. And it's and sad you, that the Aston Martin, which I, I'm sorry, oh, but I, I do have to vote car. no. Yeah, uh, it is a pretty car, so but pretty. I have to vote no on these things because it's like, where are you putting all this? Ooh, yeah, I have to beep that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Oops. Yeah, and there's some more work for me. Um, mm-hmm. This car is going to look tame. Well, we've already talked about the invisible one, but yeah, yeah. they start getting crazy, but it's still, it's when the series just goes off its rocker, it's going to look tame. But yeah, I'm going to say the DB5 too is arguably one of the most beautiful British sports car of the latter half of the 20th mm, century. So pretty. The Jaguar E-Type being a, a pretty much the king, mm. or however, if one has to call it a she, the queen. Um, but man, that is a pretty little car. Sadly, a little bit later on, when we have that that race through the Alps, and it's being paced by a Mustang, probably mm-hmm. true. <laughs> oh, yeah. As I said, I think really I put it out fast, a couple yeah. episodes. Yeah, a couple episodes ago, they they yeah. they did a drag race with it against the Honda Accord. It's got about 114 horsepower. It's like my mm-hmm. my Mazda has more horsepower than the the DB5. Oh, but eh. It was more about style and handling, I'm sure. Maybe they may handle really well. Who knows? So, so. then he ends up uh, 
he has to meet Goldfinger and he decides to meet him on the golf course. Mm. By the way, neither Sean Connery nor, you know, Gert Blanston or whatever his name was. <laughs> Froba. Had ever played golf. Well, good um, thing they don't actually have to in this movie. Well, I think Connery had sort had, had knew the basics of it because you know he's, he's Scottish, Scottish and yeah. that's Lee, it's the law. Uh, <laughs> it's the but, law. Uh, he got really into it after that and became just a golf fanatic. Uh, Gert unfortunately couldn't play to save his life, so every shot you see him making is a body double. No, that's fine. I actually wonder now that you say that when they show him, you know, Bond drops the gold bar next to the hole and then uh, Goldfinger misses the putt. I wonder if they had to do 12 takes because he kept sinking it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, miss, miss. (laughs) Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that also was a little creepy. The bait that Bond is using is a bar of Nazi gold that had been recovered with a swastika stamped on everything. It was a big deal. Nazi gold is... It, incredibly illegal. It, you, it is a felony in like virtually every country to you to to trade in it. Yeah. So there's no way you can like get rid of any of the markings or anything. So that's the thing I never understand. It's <laughs> even they say this in the opening scene. You can melt gold down and it's untraceable. I mean, heck, you can file it off. <laughs> Serious. Well, yeah, but then you lose a fair amount of gold dust. No, you yeah. melt, you should melt it and recast yeah. it. Yeah, in anything. In anything. <laughs> their odd job makes the weirdest looking caddy because how many caddies do you see wearing full formal wear on the course and certainly not the uh i don't know is, is he like the dustman that the <laughs> bond has he's wearing that coat that you see in all those mighty python sketches you know <laughs> oh no sorry we gotta take this back to the, the depot so yep. uh, yeah okay that sequence you know again uh goldfinger is cheating uh, yeah. he's lost his uh He's knocked his ball into the rough and can't find it, and so Odd Job like drops one down the leg of his pants. And I am sorry, the look on his face. All I could think, my note says, did did Odd Job just poop out a golf ball? That's what it looks like. Odd Job, hand job. I, you know. <laughs> can you say that on a podcast? I guess I just. I'm didn't. also. I didn't look this up. I'm curious at what oh, Odd Job at one point crushes a golf ball in his hand. Yeah, that's not true. I, I didn't think that was possible because a golf ball basically inside is solid rubber bands with a little blob of fluid in the deep center. Yeah, but it's under pressure. So if you ever puncture that, it comes out like a spray. Yeah. So instead of going to dust, for one thing, he would have had rubber bands snapping off and smacking his hand. <laughs> and then he would have had a spray of, I don't know, nerve toxin going into his face. Because <laughs> nerve toxin makes golf balls fly faster. I like when, uh, he, when Bond is then tracking Goldfinger. We get these beautiful shots of Switzerland. Yeah. And then they keep showing us close-ups of Goldfinger trying to nap. And, and it's really... It's like, oh, look at the splendor of the... Oh, oh, come on! Is he still napping? But it's still funny! I can see right up his nose. Come on! And they got the camera right in his face. It's it's a very unfortunate choice in what is otherwise a really well-filmed movie. That's a whole lot of frobe right there. That's... <laughs> That's all the frobe there is. Yeah. Uh, so then we then we meet up with Jill Masterson's sister. Tilly, yeah. T- Tilly, who uh, uh, happens to show up to try and kill Goldfinger because she knows somehow that Goldfinger yes. killed her sister. Uh, I think it's actually pretty, you know, when you find out how your sister died, it's, you know, it's a giant, well, shall I say, finger pointing at the person who likely had her put down. Yeah. So, and as we find out, she's a brilliant shot, miss. Uh, and yeah. Then Bond is like, uh, hey, I better uh, find out more about this woman. And then, sadly, 
um, within minutes, the DB5 is gone. Because yeah. Bond drives it into a wall. Uh, so. And then so so actually is Tilly. She is killed yeah. by odd jobs steel brimmed hat. Yes. Which yeah. I'm willing to believe that they actually make it look like it's the concussion. I'm sorry, yeah. anything that's that thin and that metal thrown that hard, uh, it should have stuck in her hand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. but that's fine. Poor Tilly's done. So now down bond is zero for two. Yep. Um, and he wakes up and he's strapped to a table. And this is one of the, again, one of the most famous torture or death trap or what have you scenes where he's got, again, a, he has a device we call a laser <laughs> point moving up the table right toward little Jimmy. <laughs> and I got to say, when, you know, Goldfinger is going to kill him very slowly. He's going to bisect him with this laser. And apparently Bond is lying on a table that is a big slab of gold. And my first thought is this is where Goldfinger is saying how much he loves gold. And <laughs> like, you're wasting an awful lot of it with that laser. I mean, it's melting all over the floor. Well, I'm sure he can just pick it up later. I actually yeah, like sure. the fact that he's like, yes, now he gives us that line, probably the most quoted oh, line of any Bond film. A, no, it Mr. is Bond. one of the best lines. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yeah, that's right. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, and, I expect and you to die. And then he turns away and he's like, yeah, whatever. And he's just like, the blazer's going, you can't get out. I'm not worried. I'm not going to pontificate. I'm not going to sit there and monologue. I'm just going to read my little chart here and find out how much my money's worth. And I actually like that part because Bond's like, oh, this is going to stop soon, isn't it? Uh, um, um, hey, I know things, uh, or crap, uh, uh, uh. And it, it's literally the vaguest chance that Bond might have reported something to his superiors that goldfinger stops the laser just yeah, in he time knows the name the words operation grand slam that's it but again it shows this guy really doesn't he's probably even amoral this guy just does not care it's like no. not only am i going to kill you and i'm not even going to talk to you while i do it I, if you're screaming in pain i'm probably just going to sit here and figure out where i'm supposed to sell gold next to make more money you like, get the feeling that the only reason he's doing it this way he says he just acquired this industrial laser obviously he just wants to play with it he wants to see yeah. Wants to see it work. When I first saw this movie, I found that scene incredibly tense. Yeah. Because it's well, so slow and it's so methodical and it was completely believable. And I'm th you can't help thinking, that what a horrible way to kill someone because that yeah. laser is moving. You'd be cut in half really, really slowly. Yeah, because the laser's... a while to die. Yeah, lasers back then, like, they cut, but to go through a person, it's not going to be fast. It's going to no, have to move gonna, slowly. it's going to be burned. The only thing, awful. The only thing I might have changed about that scene is I might have had some of the extras or the people in the background kind of, like, shifting their eyes over to the table and looking kind of nervous, like, uh, am I supposed to stand here while this happens? But otherwise, yeah, for a goofy, like, kill em death trap plot, it's actually pretty tense. So, yeah. yeah. And but after that we we wake Bond or we uh, put Bond out so that he can um, <laughs> he can go meet somebody. Yes, he <laughs> appears on Goldfinger's private plane with Goldfinger's private pilot, Pussy Galore. <laughs> As brought and, to you by and, Pussy Levine. Yes, <laughs> and uh, and of course the uh, the the not at all racially stereotypical servant girl, yeah. my lay or my Lee or some such. I yeah, my who get it brings him a a martini. And by the way, this is the first time he says, "Shaken, not stirred." And we know how Max hates that. Yes, because it is not supposed to be shaken. Anyway, you don't, you don't even and like also, martinis. No, I don't. I, well, 
No, I had one. I had a blood orange martini once. I really liked, except it, it wasn't technically a martini. There was no vermouth. Yeah, they just serve they, anything they put in a martini glass is considered a martini now. Yeah, I would like to point out when uh, My Lee brings the drink, that is not a martini glass. I don't know what yeah. that thing is. I think it is My Lay, and it's that's even disgust, oh, more dear. disgusting. It's like, uh, yeah. <laughs> ah, it's nice to meet you, enormous boobs. I mean, it's, seriously, it's almost that bad. It is. Um, then, but then, of course, then we meet uh, Pussy Galore's flight team, and all I can think is those women are going to put somebody's eye out because they are wearing those 50s or 60s very conical undergarments. Fire missiles! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They look like they were in chest-mounted missiles, I'm trying which to think looks this... really uncomfortable as well as really odd. I think they were called bullet bras, but I could I be wrong. Would not um, be surprised in the least. I want to say, besides Miley, uh, uh, is there a single female character in this movie that's not blonde? I'm not uh, sure there is. Well, Money Penny. Yeah, yeah, okay, but I mean, like, you know, not recurring character, but, but to this story, I don't. I no, think they're I think literally all, the women, all blonde. All blonde, yeah. So let's pause a moment and talk about the way this film treats women, shall oh, we? <laughs> Keep in mind, this is 1964. You can't expect uh, it to be particularly woke. No, and it really will take many decades to get there. Close yeah. to five. <laughs> and even then, it's arguable that there's any wokeness. Wakeness? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, so, so if you're watching this film, you must take it in its historical context. Yeah. I'm not excusing it. No. But... If you are not wanting to wriggle in your seat and feel all guilty and squishy inside, um, yes, this film treats women very poorly. Even yeah. pussy gal- <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mike recovers. I'll continue. Yeah, it's true. Every woman in this movie that James Bond sleeps with, he puts. There is no earnedness about no. the sex. There, he just basically smiles at them and they tumble into bed. Even Pussy Galore, who dislikes him at the beginning, from, and pretty much has every right to, because he can be a real smarmy jerk when he wants to be, and he he wants to be, and he's very condescending to her. And they actually have a a, a fight in a barn, which which he sort of wins, ends up climbing on top of her, and uh, basically one kiss is all it does to turn her around. And not only is she now. You know, you're willing to have sex with him. She betrays her boss, uh, and uh, you know, destroy basically ruins Goldfinger's plan. I oh, also got to. I have to. I have to interject here and put in the R word because, quite honestly, that's pretty much what this is. Mm. It's made to look fun and cute, but he's forcing himself on her. At the very least, it is sexual misconduct. But I, I'm gonna say that that's pretty much we're watching a rape scene. It's a pretty uncomfortable sequence. It's a very, I mean, yeah. The idea now, is she suddenly gets into it, which yeah. is actually more disturbing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, now, yeah, so trigger warning there. Is this one of the ones where you read the novel, too? Um, yes, I did. And in the novel, is, uh, is, Pussy Galore is a lesbian. That's what I up. thought. Which oh, is yeah. one of the reasons she has an all-woman flying circus, like that, because that's a thing. I, maybe it was in the 60s. I don't know. So not only does he turn her against her boss and about completing this plan and turn his adv- unwanted advances, his unwanted physical advances on her into a joyous, wonderful thing, he turns her into a straight woman as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. This, this it... big scene. Yeah. Big red flag. Anyway, so now she is unbeknownst yep. to Goldfinger on the good guy side. 
Yeah, because now now she will help destroy Goldfinger's plan, which oh I, boy, the problems with this. I, you know, I think we're gonna have an argument. Okay, I actually think the plan makes sense. Um. Okay. Well, there's a couple of problems with the science they use. Okay. The idea is he is not. He wants to break into Fort Knox, and he's in, got all these criminals who think he wants to rob it. He doesn't. He wants to roll a small, nuke, dirty nuclear device, a cobalt bomb, apparently, inside and blow it up and irradiate the gold. Right. Okay. First off, they say the gold would be radioactive for fifty-eight years. No. That is the same as when Doctor Str- in Doctor Strangelove they were talking about radioactive clouds that would dissipate within six months. Radiation doesn't deteriorate that fast. The gold would be uh, radioactive for about 5,000 years. See, it's an even better plan. Because quite honestly, he doesn't you, care if it ever it becomes is, non-radioactive. It is really hard to... It, gold is one, what is it, new, proton away from being lead. It doesn't absorb radiation. It would not... I don't believe it would become radioactive. But you don't know. I don't know for sure. Pussy Levine. (laughs) (laughs) Take the word of Pussy Levine. This plan would not work. Master of science. (laughs) Okay. That's right. Pussy is actually a scientific honorific like doctor. Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Also, the nerve gas, the magic nerve gas... Yeah. All right, never mind that there is no nerve gas known that can knock people out that fast. It, right. Even sarin gas takes like two minutes. Yeah. But you're dumping it into open air out of these little bitty canisters. It would not work that fast. And it it would dissipate in like a minute. So when I said his plan made sense, what I meant was the... <laughs> idea of the plan in other words instead of trying to steal something Mm. i'm going to make this whole giant pile of somebody else's similar thing worth less or worthless thus making my own worth more now that That part makes sense that made a certain amount of sense because he's increasing the scarcity of gold therefore driving up the price of his gold except again fort knox had about two percent of the world's gold that's not that much yeah, but, you know, I wonder if the psychological backlash from that would be causing people to suddenly start hoarding gold. You know, I Maybe. bet it would. And that would drive this the price country, up. certainly. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, the prices are, do vary from country to country. Yeah. I mean, that's anyway. part, that's part, but anyway, that, yeah, yeah. we're getting off on, a, on a, some very nitpicking here. So, that's yes, okay. the, the plan appears to go flawlessly. Yeah. And, uh. Uh, also, a spectrometer is not what you would use to see if there was gas still around. Anyway, uh, and why, why, why do they blow up the whole gate instead of just the lock? I, I, I think a spectrometer actually requires something to be burning, because I think yes. it measures stuff from the light given off of it burning. But I could okay, be wrong. Okay, that makes more sense. Write us anyway. in and, write, uh, you know, those scientific people, you, you yeah, doctors and um, beyond doctors now apparently known as pussies. <laughs> yep, yep, that's, that's the post-doctorate uh, title. Of... Write us in. So, yeah, yeah, so they, they break in, they, they blow up the gate because it looks cooler, and they're also using gigantic amounts of C4 or whatever the yeah. hell they have. And then, actually, they bring the laser back. Which yep. I thought was actually pretty, oh, we actually have a use for this. Okay. Yeah, and, and it does what it should do. It cuts through metal, and it doesn't do it instantly, which I liked. It's like, no, right. that's how a laser works. You slowly move it along the top, and you'd only have to cut the top. That was fine. Then they roll in the nuke, 
yep. and Bond and Odd Job and a random henchman who dies immediately, which is fine, are trapped in the vault, and they have what is I think a really cool fight sequence. It is a cool fight because there's this like. He's not tall, but he's a mountain of a man. And basically, if Oddjob don't want to move, Oddjob don't move. And, and Bond knows this. That's yeah. the thing. Usually Bond is like, oh, I'm the best fighter. I can take on anybody until we get to the ridiculous ones like Jaws. Yeah, yeah, we did but, last week. But this time Bond is like, nope, I'm getting a, let's see, I'm going to throw things at you. I'm going to try to find something to use as a weapon because I know I can't beat you. No, and that Oddjob basically picks him up and throws him. Like, and Oddjob <laughs> just has that annoying little smug oh, smile. Yeah, Sakata like, does great. Yep, he's perfect. He's like, yeah, you have no chance. And I know we're both going to die, and I don't care. So he finally, of course, he throws the hat, the hat at Bond, and Bond ducks, which is reasonable because he is a trained fighter, yep. unlike uh, Tilly Masterson, who is, shall we say, not. Mm-hmm. And it gets stuck in one of the metal graded wall thingies and so odd job goes to get his hat and there has been a cable that has been cut by the hat it's established yeah. bond shoves it against the thing as as odd job goes to grab the hat electrocuting odd job which is yep. cool now he must go and stop the bomb and i yeah, actually I... love the fact that bond does not know how to stop the bomb yes because he in a lot of these he knows everything he knows how to do everything but he opens the bomb casing up and he looks at it and you can just see the look on his face i have no idea what to do no, no. And here is where I have watched this film many times and I had a hunch and I t- decided to find out if I was right. And I was. So the timing is a little. Yeah. Oh, it's way off. I did that, too. I ran <laughs> so, a stopwatch. I did, too. Uh, so and, when and it's, it's off by like five minutes. You know? No, no. Or well, no, I'm actually even going down to the final. So when at one point, the last time we look away from the clock before the people break in the good guys break into the vault it says 25 seconds it actually takes them 38 seconds to get down and for the bomb guy to reach in and grab the wires and turn or actually he reaches it and flips a switch that's actually a really fun moment because bond's like oh my god what wire do i and he finally is like he's gonna make a decision he's got no choice i'm gonna pull this wire and this guy just reaches and goes click pushes his hands out of the way and goes yep yeah and then pulls out the fuse now i gotta give goldfinger a little an extra point here Mm-hmm. Goldfinger has a backup plan. Yes, he does. That's actually very clever. Yeah, he's not an idiot. He's he's a bad guy, you know, so he has to lose. But he's not stupid enough to just say everything will go to, to plan and I will be fine and wealthy and I'll be a happy miser. Um, <laughs> he's got a uniform underneath. He switches sides visually and escapes because people think he's with the army. And mm-hmm. good for him. Yeah. But then, then we get a scene. Because he escapes in his little plane as being flown by that woman whose name I won't say. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they have a fight. And, um, yeah. Goldberg well, yeah, that's sucked a, out the plane. He, dis- he disappears. We think he's fine. Bond is being flown in a private plane to meet to have lunch with the president. Yeah. And it turns out Goldfinger's on the plane and Pussy is flying the plane. <laughs> wow, you cannot deal with that name. And uh, they have I've been a big watching fight. a lot of Are You Being Served, so that, and, that helps. And here is, I'm betting the Mythbusters talked about this too. Bond shoot, the, the window in the plane gets shot out, which immediately causes a massive vacuum effect, which sucks uh, Goldfinger out through it, despite the fact he's about three times the size of the window. Right, yeah. And it, I, it, don't, I don't know this for sure. I don't think, especially those small planes don't fly that high. Yeah. I don't think that would happen. Also, um, <laughs> it's got to be a whole lot of suck. 
Yeah, it would have to because it, those are small windows, and uh, Gert Frober is, or is, is not a small man. Yeah, that, that was not a Froba-sized fenster, no. as it were. Uh, so, and it, quite honestly, it looks like somebody had a balloon and then stuck a pin yeah. in it, and he goes flying around the cabin. It's, it's, yeah, not, yeah, not it's a little it's, silly. Yeah, there's a lot of rear screen projection to this film, and now I know why because but Connery decided not to go to America, or I, nobody went to America except that yeah. one. So the actor playing Felix Leiter. Um, and it's not particularly well done. It's pretty obvious. Um, special effects like this with Gert Froba flying around the, mm-hmm. the cabin, which is... I mean, if you just added the sound effect... It would actually kind of fit. It, it is a very cartoony ending. And then, yeah. of course, the plane goes down. Uh, the pilot and Bond jump out in a parachute and right. uh, end up having sex onto the parachute canopy. Right, because that is literally how it ends. Yes, and speaking of ends, that ends my commentary notes. How about yep, you? Mine too. Nope, that's everything I've got. Then I think we can go to the wrap up. The roundup. And so, Max, I put yeah. it to you. Yeah. Did you like Goldfinger? You know, it. There's a lot of it that doesn't age well. Yes. Uh, you know, the misogyny, the the science is way is a bit off, oh, I think. But it is so much fun. And it is so pretty to look at, and it's so Bond. It is what Bond really became and stayed for a long time. Whether for better or ill, it became that. It kind of became a defining uh, uh, movie for Bond, especially because it made more money than um, Goldfinger actually had at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like obviously Goldfinger should have just gotten into the film business. <laughs> yeah, the Bond business, anyway. Uh, I it is I, I I said this earlier on. Max agreed with me. It is the most iconic Bond film. It has the most iconic things in the DB five, which will transform into other Aston Martins. It'll transform into Lotuses. It will transform into BMWs. Yeah. But it's the same thing. It's like the that's Bond the car. Yeah, and it started here. Q becomes mo- most Q in here. The byplay between yeah. Bond and Q becomes the most byplay. Um, the quips start becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. You can argue that the goofiness starts here because From Russia With Love was a much more serious, tense spy thriller film than this was. Um, that being said, it is still fun with that caveat about the lack of people of any color except for poor Harold Sakata, mm-hmm. and uh, who makes a great henchman. I want to say that he's probably my favorite of all 24 Bond films, he's my favorite sidekick. I think I would go. I would go with that. He's just he he does exactly what he should. You know, he's menacing. He's intimidating. He's and it's funny, despite his sort of superhumanness, he's not cartoony. No, not the way and, Jaws is or Necros or any or Tee or any of the really odd ones. Yeah, and I know you object to Bond throwing the uh, the gold brick at him and having him to, to sort of bounce off. I, I honestly, I believe it. I look at Harold Sakata. It's like, yeah, because Harold Sakata just thought to himself, "I refuse to let that thing hurt me," and then it just bounced off. <laughs> I remember thinking, I, I remember thinking about that, and that bothered me until I remembered. Well, first off, this guy was a weightlifter, right? And there was a weight, a Russian weightlifter. I cannot remember his name. Alexia. Uh, probably <laughs> they uh, they actually calculated that the muscle density on his torso was so dense you could shoot him with a 22 caliber bullet and it would stop the bullet yeah it's it would probably go, it would go in, hmm? 
It was probably Alexei. He was like, yeah. it's during the seventies and eighties. Like you know, remember when o- Olga Corbett? Yeah. Like, there were people you actually knew in the Olympics from other countries, and Alexei yep. was like, he he. I don't remember how many Olympics he was in, but it was seemed like every time there was an Olympics and there was weightlifting, there was Alexei and oh, lifting right. stuff. He, and he won like what more gold medals than anybody or for at least in that era. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. that's he, right. That might it might have been him. But it's, so maybe okay, I'll I'll buy that that you could hit him with what a brick that probably weighs 20 or 30 pounds yeah and maybe but, he could just bounce it off his his Im- immaculately pressed outfit well and that just smile just like bounce it's like yep. really really <laughs> really and bond's like oh and i already hit him with the big stick uh, uh, uh hey maybe i, I can trick crap. him to throwing the hat into a grate which i can then electrocute him with ah yeah, yeah probably yeah, there's a bunch of unbelievable stuff in here um it's it's still not gonna reach the limits of some of the other films we're going to look at, but it is yeah. an iconic Bond film. It is Sean Connery when Sean Con- before Sean Connery becomes too objectionable, although he's still pretty objectionable. Yeah. Um, it's got all the characters in place. You know, money, Penny, money, Penny is fully money, Penny, the whole thing. So yeah, if if you're going to watch an old Connery Bond, you can't really go wrong picking this for those reasons. I still think uh, that uh, From Russia With Love is, is a better film, but this is... I would, I would agree with that. This is more fun. Yeah. It is more And this more is iconic. more Bond. I mean, yeah. if, you look at, if we look back over the 50 years of Bond, this is the, this is the defining one. Yeah. But for less Bond, where are we going next week? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be yours. And with a name that I, th- I really hope you have less trouble with than you did with pussy galore i don't see how that's possible (laughs) (laughs) that we will be dealing with uh i think our first roger no moonraker that's right our second Uh another in the roger moore uh, (laughs) that's right it's octopussy levine (laughs) octopussy levine yep yeah octopussy because yeah or a friend as of my friend a friend of ours uh seth said the only thing about it is watching Roger Moore and Maud Adams it's like the battle of the cheekbones yeah and I isn't this one where Roger Moore's 73 I think I, something like that Roger Moore was getting a tad long in the tooth to be playing Bond yeah I think this was his last or was that uh no uh, we're gonna get to the last only. one no oh no that's that right <laughs> His last is our last. You're right. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, it's not the worst Bond film ever, but it is, in fact, Octopussy. And we'll be talking about that next week over all of these pussy stations. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And a pussy week to all of you. Bye. Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.